Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Draft Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use code BSN10 to save $10 off your $50 order for all your parties and have it delivered to your door. Let's jump into the show. Actually, some Total Bev booze delivered to your door on this uh, snowy Wednesday in the Mile High City. Sounds phenomenal. AJ, I should mention, I am your special draft podcast host, Andre Simone, joined by the man, the myth, the legend. You all love him and know him, AJ Hayfley. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good, man. The storm is sitting right on top of my house right now, so... The power started to flicker again, so we're uh, hoping to get this one, uh, hoping to get this recorded today. Yeah, fingers crossed and like uh, fists fists clenched on this one. Um, Okay, well then we won't get into any any fancy intros or anything like that. We might as well jump right into this, and it feels like, uh, feels like you've got an agenda on this podcast when I look at the, at the rundown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you... It almost feels like you could have just wrote an essay where you say because of point A, then point B, and point C. Point A is let's break down the Avs' needs. Um, You know, the obvious thing is the system has the forward depth. It's not just deep, but we've got a nice nice mix of, uh, of talent at different positions, what you would identify as some diversity. Tell me about that, my man. Yeah, so when you look when you look through the system, um, you know it's it's really lacking in some high end guys, but there's a lot of forward guys that are going to be coming in uh, that are AHL age or close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and given that Colorado's gone NCAA heavy the last couple of years, right? Um, we won't see a couple of these guys for a while. Yeah, um, and some of them we've been waiting on. You know, Cam Morrison just finished is finishing up his junior year and he was taken 40th overall. Yeah. You know, Shane Bowers is finishing up his sophomore year uh, and he was the Ottawa first round pick that they got in the Duchesne deal. Right. Um, but they've got, they've got a lot of different styles of player, a lot of different, uh, I'll say, I'll say sizes and shapes and colors and styles <laughs> and all the different things. Right. Yeah. Like they've, they've got a wide diverse, they've cast a wide net with the guys they've drafted. Um, the one thing they're really missing is like a high end guy, right? 
Uh, right. Especially at forward, where on defense you're looking and you're like, well, they've got Kale McCarr. It doesn't get any more high end than that. Mm-hmm. And then they've got Timmons and Malosh, who are two solid dudes. But at forward, you know, Shane Bowers is probably your top forward prospect. Um, sitting there, sitting there along with, you know, Martin Martin Couts also right. there, of course, the right. first rounder from last year. I was gonna say. Yeah, like those are those are your two guys, but neither one of them project as high end NHL players. They both project as middle six guys, good two way guys, very high IQ players, uh, who are going to be they're they're going to be real solid for you, right? But guys that you know they're not game breakers, you know, and and they don't really have very much of that, and if they do. Uh, they're they're young and they're still on their way. You know, a guy, you know, Sample Ranta and Tyler Weiss taken in this last draft mm-hmm. are more of top six or bust type guys. Guys who are, you know, great skaters, breathtaking skill, the the great hands, great shot, all the offensive upside that you could want in guys, but have questions about their all around games. Size question with Tyler Weiss. Uh, you know, and neither one of them had flawless freshman seasons. They both had some injury issues. Uh, right. Their production was just okay. Yeah. So you're, and you're looking up and down the system, you know, you, AJ Greer, Ty Lewis. Um, yeah. You know, Igor, Igor, she, sh- I still can't say his last name. We're just going to go with Igor. <laughs> Igor. Um, me, yeah. Nick Henry, like all these guys, mm-hmm. like they, they've all got NHL potential. I really, I still really like Ty Lewis. Uh, I still uh, Igor has taken a while to adjust to North American hockey, but I really like the skill level that he has. Nick right. Henry's finished off; a, he's finishing off a, gr- a dr- great junior career right now. Yeah. So and and hey, like Nick Henry's a, a middle six guy. He's a heart heart and soul guy. A good skater with a with a really good shot that could easily translate to to pro hockey. It'll be fun to get him into the system and see what he's actually made of. So, right, um, they've got they've got diversity. You know, mm-hmm. they've got guys in different positions. Uh, they've got a little bit of the centers. They've got some right wings. They've got some left wings. You know, in right wing, they've also got Nikolai Kovalenko, uh, their sixth round pick last year, who uh, has had a really good year in Russia. Yeah, um, was good for Russia at the WJCs. Uh, just a just a really solid uh, young player, but we won't see him for a while. His contract runs through twenty twenty one, right? Uh, in in Russia, so there's not a good chance we see him uh, anytime soon. So it's it's lots of lots of guys, a lot of different skills, and a couple guys at every position. Um, so it's it's a good mixture. Mm-hmm. But the high end guys aren't really there yet. You're not. You don't have any game breakers. You don't have any guys where you're. It looks like you've mined a real gem and you found a top six guy. Right. You know, uh, Kovalenko maybe down the road. Um, we'll we'll see how Ranta and Weiss uh, develop. Mm-hmm. Cam Morrison is we. He really just needs to get away from Notre Dame. Yeah. No before kidding. we can really figure out just what that guy is. Right. Um, AJ Greer's a solid prospect, but it's obvious that he's not going to have high end NHL, um, uh, ability and, you know, Shane Bowers, I've always said he's most likely going to end up as a third line center. Right. Um, cause the offense just hasn't really ever been there at any level. Yeah. 
uh, and it took a big step back this year with with a really not very good Boston University team. Right. Um, In a sense, Martin Kautz, the guy who, of the sure higher, you know, we we just said we don't have high end, so I need to find another right. word. But of the sure top of the list forwards who are waiting on, he feels like the guy with a little more upside on top of maybe a slightly higher floor, especially with how he's produced this year. Yeah. And he's had a good year in the AHL. Uh, he's slowed down a little bit right. um, as, as I think the conditioning has been an issue for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's getting more third line duty than he, than, you know, he's been top six most of the year, Yeah, but he's getting, he's getting more third line burn right now, just because the conditioning is a bit of an issue. He's slowed down. Um, and, and that's expected, you know, college guys and, and European guys, they don't, they don't come in with as many games played, mm-hmm. uh, just the raw number of games played as CHL guys do. Yeah. Uh, you know, because because a guy like Cowd, he played 38 games in the Czech Pro League last year. Right, right. Yeah. And he's got 52 already in the <laughs> AHL right. this season. So, right. so to be expected know, that that drop off in conditioning, it's but... it's very very common. Yeah. yeah, we saw it last year with the Avalanche with Kerfoot and uh and Jost in the second half of the year, where those guys really kind of ground to a halt in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, seeing it again with Kerfoot this year, to be honest, uh, which is pretty disappointing. But <clears throat> yeah, um, but yeah, Cout Cout is kind of like your you expect Cout to be a top six forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Now, if they end up with a high end guy out of this draft class that maybe gets in front of him, then you know that that changes the expectation, but yeah. might put him in a more appropriate role where you're saying, hey. You know, you don't you don't love that you used a first rounder on a third on a third round a third line player, but right. it's because you have more talent in front of him, not because he didn't live up to expectation. That would be a big change for the Avs. Yeah, hundred percent. For, for it to be, uh, you know, just a, a talent pool thing and not a he's a bust thing. Yeah, that'd be so, a welcome change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So really, the forward the forward core that they've built up in their system. A lot of guys that you can like more. There are more prospects now in the Av system at forward that I really like. Um, that I think could have some sort of an NHL future. Uh, than at any time than I've that I've <laughs> been covering the Avs. Right, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but with all the good that we have at forward, and you know, you mentioned the obvious high end talent. On the D, they'll maybe lacking a little more in depth. And I mean, it starts with Kale McCarr, who's arguably the best prospect in, uh, you know, in all of the NHL, uh, as far as those guys that are sitting and waiting. Uh, goaltender, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> let's uh, let's yeah, let's start with the goalies in the system because right now, like. It seems, you know, the Avs have seemed to have been figuring it out a little bit that they they need to get a little bit more aggressive with their drafting of goaltending right. goaltending yep. talent. Yep. We saw that um, last year. You know, we saw they had the they used a third rounder on Spencer Martin in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, they've traded oh, right. for both Varley and Grubauer in their careers. Yeah. 
They went out and they got a stud KHL guy in Pavel Fransuz. Mm-hmm. And that's all just at the pro level right now. You know, Martin has not unfortunately panned out the way that we were all hoping. Right. And then, you know, they used two years ago, they used a fifth rounder on Adam Werner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Werner, to his credit, all Werner has done since developed, since being drafted by the Avs is get better. Uh, he was drafted in uh, 2016, and since then, uh, he he got the starting job last year in the Allsvenskan, and then got a brief, brief, brief appearance with the Rampage at the end of the year, mm-hmm. where uh, he he played better than his numbers will show. Uh, he gave up a bunch of goals, like right at the beginning of his time there, and right. then steady steadied out quite a bit. Um, but this year, he jumped up a level into the SHL. And he was the he was a backup on one of the SHL's better teams, and he's had a fantastic season. Uh, I think he's earned an ELC from the Avs. I expect them to sign him to to an ELC whenever their season is over. I honestly don't know the SHL schedule off the top of my head, so I don't know when that will be. But I expect Werner to to come on over and probably to replace Spencer Martin uh, for the for next year on yeah. the Eagles. Uh, because that's that's a guy who's he's only done one thing since being drafted, and that's continue to produce and continue to get better. Right. So yep. there's there's excitement there. You 100%. feel you feel better about that. You're like, hey, that's good news. Right. That's what we want to see. Yeah. Um. The next year they used the in 2017 they used a fourth rounder on uh, Peter Kavacha. Oh yeah. He's still he's still hanging around in the Czech two league. Yeah. Um, right. Does not have a does not have a job. Has not progressed. Um, I mean, he's still playing well in the Czech 2 league, right. but he's not like a dominant goaltender there, and he has not taken a job over uh, in the actual Czech league, right. in, the, in the top league. And that's yeah. really what you want to see before you give that guy an ELC. Uh, the Avs still own his rights for two more years, so it's not it's not like a huge rush, but you'd like to see some movement there. Yeah. I mean, you want to see improvement. You'd like for the guy to be knocking on the door and really making at least some of the Czech teams feel like, Ooh, we might have to call up old, old PD here and right. uh, keeping them just stuck in the Czech two league for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, this last year they used a high third round selection that they traded down to acquire yep. uh, on Eustace Ananen who had a really tough start to the year yeah. uh, and was, uh, we were all kind of looking around like, Ooh, yeah. this is not encouraging. Yeah. Um, has had a much better second half of the season though. Uh, and uh, you know, he's, he's, you're still feeling good. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. it's still way, way, way too early. And, the one thing I will say about Ananen that's not true. The other guys is that this was Ananen's when he was drafted. He was that was his first uh, his first draft eligible season, whereas both Werner and Kavacha yeah. had gone through a draft undrafted once already right. when they were selected. So Ananen not only was taken with a higher pick, yeah, exactly, but was a first time eligible guy. So he's still very young for a mm-hmm. goaltender. Um, at just 19 years old. So, and again, like the abs have a couple of years with him now, basically all this goes to say is that these guys don't, we don't know what they are yet. 
Um, we don't know. A lot None of these guys look like they're going to be high end NHL starters yet. Right. Like you don't, you can't, you don't have that projection on any of them. Yeah. And at this point, a lot more questions than answers than you have, you know, between the pipes and the, in the system. Absolutely. And, you know, last year they used, they also used a seventh rounder on Shamil Schmackov, who's had a, an okay season mm-hmm. uh, in the MHL. So love that name. Yeah, not not a real name. Definitely a Russian witness protection name. I mean, good for him. We support you in all your endeavors and stay safe, Shamil. Um, (laughs) Very true. (laughs) uh, Yeah, and then do you want to touch on the D again? You kind of you kind of touched on it, and I mean, everyone, even my cats, know about you know Makar and Timmins and Malosh to a lesser extent, and the guys that are already. Uh, playing with the big boys, you know, like Gerard and Zadorov. Like we have, right. we have youth. There, there's talent there. Some is high end talent, uh, but we're still trying to piece some things together. And as you mentioned earlier, depth a little more of a concern than it certainly is at forward. Uh, absolutely, because you know McCarr will make the jump, and he'll he'll, you know, maybe he plays for the Eagles uh, in what could be a playoff run for them this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not looking like uh, with the way schedules are lining up and everything and with how UMass has done this year and how the abs might miss the postseason. Wouldn't really make a lot of sense to drop him onto the NHL team and burn the year of his ELC. Right. Um, at this point, you'd probably just sign him to an ATO at the end of UMass's year mm-hmm. and have him go play for the Eagles and get his feet wet in pro hockey a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then obviously with Connor Timmons, it's just not, it's, we don't, we don't know what's going on. Um, he is still completely to be determined. You can't rely on him for anything right now. It's just, you hope he gets healthy and he gets out there at some point. Yeah. We just, we just don't seem to be at that point yet. So. Right. Stay patient on Connor. Yeah. yeah um, I would say at this point, sure seems unlikely for him to play this year. Yeah. Um, get healthy over the summer, stay, you know, play it safe, play it cool. Hope that he comes into training camp healthy next year and probably starts with the Eagles uh, next season, mm-hmm. uh, which is where Nicholas Malosh will also likely be. But right. going into his third pro year, you would hope that Malosh is making a more serious push for a uh, pro roster spot. Yeah. Now, the big thing, the emergence of Ryan Graves this year yes. might have complicated Malosh's path forward, which was already going to be limited right? with, um, you know, with Makar and Timmons around. Yeah. A Barry trade, depending on the return, probably would make that a little bit easier. Yeah. But you don't really know what the path forward for Nick Malosh is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just hope that he keeps, he keeps putting up uh, good numbers, getting big minutes in the AHL and plays well. And at some point you hope that, uh, the abs give him a look because he's a, he's a real solid prospect and uh, at times feels like he's been overlooked a little bit by them. So, um, but that's, that's really it for defensive prospects that are, that are meeting, you know, Mason Gertzen, Sergey Boykov, Josh Anderson. None of these guys are real prospects. Like you're talking third pairing guys at, at the very most. Yeah, you're, um, you're kind of missing the midfield prospects, you know. Those. Yeah, and the depth just isn't there yeah. because once you get past those guys who are already in the AHL, 
you have Kale McCarr, who is going to jump straight to the NHL. And then you've got Nate Clerman and Nick Lieberman, both at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Both are long-term projects who yeah. may or may not ever pan out. And and then you have uh, the Russian kid, Danilo Zhiravalov, who they drafted last year in the fifth round. And maybe, right? Like, maybe that kid pans out. Sure, but right. Again, you're and he's another kid. His his contract runs through 2020. So yeah. another guy that we're unlikely to even see in North America for at least another year. Right. Don't don't hold your breath on that kid. Yeah. And so and and these guys are such long shots, Lieberman, Dravalov, and Clerman, that it's you know, you're not planning for them. You're not building around them into the future or anything. You're just like, okay, well, we'll see. Right, and I mean, the next part of this segment is what does this mean for picks five through potentially five picks between in the top 75 for the Avs in this upcoming draft, which gets me incredibly excited. You're not, none of those guys that you just mentioned as kind of the depth pieces who, eh, you never know, let's see what happens, are going to affect your strategy with picks in the top 75 that's kind of the greater point here absolutely there's there's such a need for high-end talent that uh you can justify forward defenseman or goaltender at pretty much any selection outside of the ottawa pick right like you can't justify a goalie in the top five this year you just can't but in the first round yes it'd be very yolo of them remember that was a thing you'd say like just go yolo yeah Boy, time flies. <laughs> Yo, Yo, YOLO mode is still a thing, okay? Okay. It's, <laughs> it's so. still very real. It was like a couple years since I've heard you say it, but if you say it's still a thing, I, I believe you. Um, yeah. Right, so that's that's really just all set up for uh, the rest of the show, unless you have anything else to add, but I think that's the, the perfect teaser to end this segment one on. I agree. With that, we're going to pay some bills real quick, and we'll be right back with this BSN Avalanche Draft Podcast. And after talking about guys already in the system, we're going to talk about guys that the apps can potentially add in next year's draft. So stay tuned. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue and welcome back to the bsn avalanche draft podcast i'm andre simone he is aj hayfley 
We are us, as AJ likes to say, and I like to say when I get to drive a show once in a while. Okay, well, that was a whole lot of teaser to start the show off. Uh, and really, my, my man's trying to make a greater point here that, uh, you know, of course, with as we talked about in the last draft podcast, Hughes, Kakao, obvious picks with the Ottawa selection if it lands in the top two. If it doesn't land in the top two and lands outside of that, gets a little trickier. And uh, especially with how we just analyzed the Avalanche system. And there is one non-forward staring us right in the face. Bowen Byram, who's having a pretty, pretty special <laughs> year. Bottom, uh, AJ, you, uh, you're quite a fan. You mentioned this on the last draft pod that to some extent, with the depth that forward that you have in this draft class, if you do have a pick outside of the top two, you're almost better off going Byram and then forward with that second, you know, we assume top 15-ish uh, first rounder you're going to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the argument is basically Colorado's going to have two first round picks, okay? And it's looking more and more like uh, if they're going to miss the postseason and probably won't be the last team out. Uh, so they'll probably have a pick in the 10 to 12 range. Right. Um, let's say, let's say 10 to 13, just to, just oh, to expand sure. it a little bit. One whole pick. Sure. <laughs> I know. What, what an so, expansion. And, well, and there's a yeah. big difference there because at 10, you're having a conversation about one of the top 10 guys in, in this draft. And the difference between the forwards, you know, you're talking Cousins and Dak and Krebs and Turcott and Zegras, um, Pod Colson, you know, all these guys. Right. The difference between them just I don't think is is huge. So you, if yeah, you if, sure. say the abs ended up with a third or fourth pick, okay, the forward mm-hmm. that they, the, if they wanted to take a forward at three or four, they could, yeah. but the difference between the quality of forward that they would take at three or four and the guy that they took between say 10 or 13 may not be very large. Whereas right. the difference between the right. defenseman that they could take at three or four in Byram and then the next highest rated defenseman um yeah. which it's a wide right game. like you don't i mean it kind of depends on what that board looks like you know some some have it as uh germany's moritz cider uh some have the swedish yeah. victor soderstrom um right. united states is cam york um uh sweden's philip broberg those are the those are the guys that you're talking about as the the next highest um defensemen and those yeah. are all guys that you could justify taking at 12 at 11 12 or 13 without any issue but the the gap between byram and those guys is is significant and the gap between those guys and whichever forward it drops to you at 10 is Maybe not as significant, right. but there's a gap there too, nonetheless. Make right. no mistake. Like if you if you get a Dylan Cousins, um, or no, I'm sorry, not Dylan Cousins, a Kirby Dak might fall to ten or eleven this year. Right. You know, there's a there's a very real possibility something that one of these guys is going to drop. Mm-hmm. 
And there's a there's always a somebody that comes from out of nowhere and gets drafted in the top ten as well. You know, last year it was Barrett Hayden. Yep. Um, that kind of jumped in and pushed other guys down, guys like Noah Dobson. Yeah. Who we all thought this is an easy top six pick mm-hmm. and did not work out that way. Right. And partially so, because of all the depth there was on the on the right, D there. Yeah. Right. There was the, the depth on the blue line last year was very real. I mean yeah. you know, oh, I Rasmus Dahlin went first, and then you had right. uh you had Evan Bouchard and Noah Dobson, Adam Bulkfist and Quinn Hughes. Um and one that I'm forgetting. So yeah, the uh, it's Ty just Smith, a different you might have been thinking of. The Ty Smith was a little bit later, but yeah. Right. Like it was it was a big it was a, a very good defensive class. This is not the right, the right elite right. defensemen, the the guys that you're looking at as drafting on defense and saying this guy could be a legitimate top pairing defenseman that plays in all situations. There's one of them in this draft, and that's Bowen yeah. Byram. Right. And he's had an insane year uh in yeah. in Vancouver in the WHL. He's got 26 goals now. Which, remember, this is a defenseman. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Wild stuff. Yeah. So, he's, I mean, he's basically on pace for a point a game average right now. Yeah, I mean, he's a little he's a little bit over it right now. Right. And that's, I mean, again, as a draft eligible defenseman, we've seen things like that before, especially sure. guys on really good teams. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Jake Bean had, a, I think, a twenty four goal season just a couple of years ago. Right. Or guys um, on not such great leagues. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but the WHL this year is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So for, for Byram to be doing this in a league with that much skill this season is very impressive. And it's not even just about the fact that he scores lots of goals. I mean, he's a great defender. He's extremely smart, uh, makes, makes great reads more often than not. Uh, he's, he's a guy that just does everything at a really high level he's not elite at any one thing it's not like you can it's it's not that you watch him and there's one thing that just wow wow you know right yeah it's all of it together his ability to take over games and to control games control the pace um and just be the man out there patrolling the blue line he can do everything yeah uh, he's a uh, he's not an elite trait guy, which is what's going to get him drafted. He's a checks off lots of, if not all, the boxes. Guy. Right, like there isn't. If you're making the pros and cons list, the the cons is going to be that he lacks the elite traits, like the next oh. level stuff that separates no. him. Right, which will give you, and that's the kind of stuff that gives you a higher a higher ceiling and allows guys to dream on you because they think, boy, you combine that elite shot with some improvements on the defensive end or some improvements as, as far as skating goes or, you know, what have you. There's always an aspect of their game that they're trying to catch up to, to that one elite trait. Right. And with Byram, he just does everything that he does. He does at such a high level and he's an all situations guy. So, and and when you talk about the Avs drafting him, you know, it obviously does not help their secondary scoring issue. It does not help their their forward problem out 
yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, and it and he won't be on next year's team. Uh, definitely not. I mean, he'll so, be fighting through some some traffic with, you know, the Melosias and the Timmons of the world, depending on what happens this offseason. Right. And so you would expect, hey, at least one more year for that guy um, in the WHL. Yeah, and happens. you know that's so that's you're not getting a lot of return. You're not getting any immediate return. You're not getting a lot of return on that pick for a while. For you a potential wait top on that. five pick is what we're talking about. Yeah, right. And so what you're what you're doing is you're kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit, and you're moving yeah. you're moving your your timeline for the window, <clears throat> and right. that's not very appealing to Avs fans right now. Um, Avs fans are frustrated now. The upside obviously is that. You then have a defense that you're building around between Byram, Gerard, and Makar. Yeah, that's that's three shots at a number one defenseman, at a top flight number one defenseman. Right. And of those three, I would say Byram is the only one that you could really put on a PK unit in the NHL. Uh huh. Yeah. And. You know, I and then maybe Zadorov goes in that list too. I didn't want to leave him out. Sure, but sure, sure. Like maybe you throw him on that list as well. You know, Johnson will be around. It's not like Johnson's going anywhere, right? So, where's his know, defensive he'll... tool rank when compared to other guys, other young guys in the Avs system or already on on the Avs? Byram probably would be their best. Their highest upside defender, yeah, and that's 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 the big appeal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that they need a guy to go out there and you know that he has twenty six goals is great. That he's a he's got seventy points in sixty six games is great. Right, that's all good and well, but they need another high end defenseman that can take care of his own end and can transition out of it the way that he does. Yeah, they do that and they set themselves up. You know depending on what happens with Barry, depending on how Johnson ages, depending on what happens with Zadorov, you never know, right? How those things are going to shake out. 100%. Yeah. So it's, that's tough. Like that's, that makes things a little interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, un... but that's the appeal. Like right. that's right. when, when you talk about it, it's that you're saying, Hey, we're valuing this one guy. We're valuing locking up this position. Like, then maybe you don't necessarily need to invest a lot of resources in your defense looking for that number one guy down the road because you have a Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, and a Bowen Byram on your defense. Yeah. You've already got these, these really high-end guys that can do a lot of different things for you. Between the three of them, offense should, should be – all three of those guys should be at least 30-point players uh, from the blue line in the NHL. And that's, a, that's, a, that's me being conservative. Sign me up. You know, all three of those. And then you have in, we'll see with what, what Makar's defense ends up right, as, right. but with, with, it should be better that it should be somewhere between Barry and Johnson in terms of overall ability. Uh, and then by between Byram and Gerard, you have two guys with all who also profiles high end defenders. Uh, they just get a, they just will obviously do it in a little bit of different way. Um, Byram does not have the same size concerns as Gerard, although Byram himself is not a guy with amazing right. size. I mean, you know, he's depending on where you where you look, he's either just under six one or he is six right. one. Yeah. 
um, and and 190 pounds. So it's it's not like he's a hulking behemoth no, of a man. You know, this is not a six yeah. five guy that's doing all these things and is patrolling the blue line the way that he does. He's a little bit on the smaller side, but we're seeing those guys dominate. Rasmus Dahlin six two. You know, Miro Heiskanen is six foot. Kale McCarr six yeah. foot. So the size for elite defensemen has has gone down as as the size of all these guys around the league has. So you could get away with all these right. things, oh, right? Totally. Like the one thing that you can always say though, the the big art, the big knock against drafting Byram at, th- at third or fourth, if that's where the abs yep. end up picking, is that they may not be taking the best player available. Totally, and I mean he's he's you see him more in the top fives of of rankings right now. Um, when we first talked about it, I thought you were uh, maybe elevating him a little bit due to. The fact that there's just no other defender that kind of profiles as highly mm-hmm. as he does. Now it seems like people are coming around a little more. I mean, that production's undeniable. The fact that, in a sense, he's a safe pick because he checks off all those boxes. Um, and, you know, that there's no real glaring weakness to his game. And he's kind of a high, high floor, high-ish ceiling guy. So you like that. But in your hypothetical board, after the top two, how long would I have to scroll before I get to Byron? Um, I would have Byron at five, personally. Okay, and that's with uh, yeah, Pod Colson. I would have I would have Hughes, Cacao, uh, Pod Colson, and Krebs ahead of Byron. Okay. Okay. I'm cool with that. I'm totally fine with that. Like, yeah, yeah, but but then I mean, you're you're talking about the the separation uh, between uh, Zegras and Boldy and Cousins and Doc and Krebs and Turcotte is just not right, big. Right, right. Like they're they're almost they're almost interchangeable to the point where I I wouldn't care if somebody swapped one of them and and I would I would say. Krebs is my favorite of all of all the forwards outside of Hughes, Kakao. Um, I, I I think that Krebs is probably my favorite out of all those guys. Uh, and then out of the um, U.S. the 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 three U.S. guys, Turcotte, Boldy, and Zegras, uh, I like Turcotte. Uh-huh. But that's not a knock on Boldy and Zegras, sure, right? Sure, sure, like, right. To say that you like one guy over the other is usually being like, well, I think this guy's going to be better than this guy. And I don't know. I honestly don't know that. I don't feel comfortable saying Turcotte ends up as a better NHLer than any of Cousins, Boldy, or Zegras, or Krebs, or Doc. It's just right. a personal preference. Totally. It's a personal yeah. style. I just think Krebs is the best all-around guy. Um, and the abs don't necessarily need to swing for the fences because they're, they've got a number one C already. Right, They've Absolutely. got a number one right wing already, and so they can they could focus on maybe getting, you know, more of a more of a an excellent two way guy that still that still provides you offense, and versus you know versus a guy that like a Dylan Cousins, yeah. you know, who's got who's going to be a high end offensive player. Um, down the middle and you know we'll we'll see it's it's really just personal taste like what i'm what i'm poorly translating here is that 
you the abs could take pretty much any forward at third or fourth and out of out of this group and i really wouldn't have a really strong yeah, totally. you're not pounding the table you're more like shoulder shrugging like eh, personally i like this guy more but yeah exactly like i'd have a hard time if they took which is going to be funny to say this because i've been such a fan of his for a long time if they took kirby doc third i'd struggle with that a little bit right but ultimately the guy looks like he's going to be ryan gets 2.0 well, yeah are you really are, are you really gonna oh no his comp is a hall right. of fame one of the one of the one of the great centers of this generation oh right. no not yeah. that yeah you can't be too picky with that so they're all kind of matched right. up in this same tier and byram is that one defender in that same tier uh which you know right. from a draft theory perspective is great it does make me feel like boy i really hope they got a top two pick jeez oh it does because you don't want to have to pick yeah. between those like that's that's a it's Honestly, like the safest thing to for the abs to avoid a Sophie's cho- uh, Sophie's choice kind of situation yeah. on draft day is to get the second pick. 100%. You take whoever oh, doesn't yeah. go first, and you don't have to worry about Byram or all these That's other. That's a forwards. pick you could make in your. State. And then at your, yeah, exactly. Like it's the easiest selection um, that will be made in this year's draft. Will be number yeah. two this year. Hundred <sighs> percent. Okay. Any so that's well, and what they do there sets up for a really interesting situation with their second pick, depending on where it is. Because if it's at 10, you're getting one of those guys that I've that we've talked about in the segment. If you're not, you're looking at the next tier of players, which brings all those defensemen that I named into the conversation, plus a bunch of forwards, you know, plus the you know, the the Ryan Suzuki's and the Alex Newhooks, the Bobby Brinks. Uh, the Pavel Dorofeyevs, uh, all those guys get into this conversation. All those guys come into play when uh, if the Avs end up with the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth pick, and that's always that's that's dangerous yeah. living to to miss out on the that that one tier that you really want to be involved in. Right, you want to be in that mix. You really want to be drafting from that second tier with that pick in the 10 to 13 range, you don't want to end up having to draft from that third tier, which is a lot of those, you know, second tier defenders and just feel like you you missed out and you're not getting the best value. I hear you. Yep. And then obviously the one guy that, that we're, we're going to talk about in the next segment that this brings into, let me do my thing. We'll transition. We'll be we'll we'll be right back. That's, spoiler alert. Keep listening uh, for the for that other guy. There you go. Um, hey, BSN listeners, okay. we're excited to tell you about some great game changing coffee. Maybe a game changer like this prospect we're about to talk about. StravaCraft Coffee is a CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. The CBD infused coffee has taken away long term migraines, back pain, arthritis. IBS, it has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. 
And after that, spoiler, Teaser. we're back. Teaser, yeah. And uh, so, tell us who that prospect is. The the one non-defenseman <laughs> or forward in the mix, potentially. Player three uh, in this, this great debate here, Spencer Knight. Uh, the top goaltender prospect uh, available in this year's draft. Guy get, gets compared to John Gibson. Um, great size, great production, great everything that you want out of a goaltender prospect. One of the better goalie prospects we've seen in several years. Certainly since you and I have been doing these plans oh, yeah. for the Easily the years. best uh, goaltender prospect. Since then. And Jake Ottinger went in the first in 2017. Right, I was going to so, say, yeah. You know, yeah, it it really just kind of goes to show you that you know drafting drafting goalies in the first round has not been something that teams have been real keen on. They've teams started to got they got a little crazy with it in the mid two thousands, and then figured out that hey, that's not a great idea. Like Jonathan Bernier at eleventh overall, right? Um, you know, if you go back just to just to that draft class, yeah. 2006, Jonathan Bernier uh-huh. um, was the first of four goaltenders in that in that draft class that that were taken in the first round. Right. Yeah, and what's funny is I thought they were mostly busts or absolute studs. I guess Bernie kind of falls in between, but when you're a goalie who's drafted 11th overall, you're expecting right. more than and. What his and career like, has shown thus far. That's that draft class really shows you what you get when you take first round goaltender. Because Calgary took yeah. Lee Irving, Tampa Bay took Rico Hellenius, Los Angeles took Jonathan Bernier, Washington took Washington took Semyon Varlamov. Wow. So you know, and this is uh, this is literally just a draft class right that there. I just pulled out of thin air. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, this was not in the rundown or something right. compared to like, it, it just goes to show you, you know, drafting goalies, it, it doesn't always work out. You know, you look at uh, the Avs got a, a – yeah. they did an okay job when they took Calvin Pickard in the second round. His brother was a mid-first-round pick by Nashville and never played in the NHL. That's crazy. So, you know, the, the thing with taking crazy. goalies is that you don't, there's not always a goaltender around that's worth being, that's worthy of being taken in the first round. But one of the sure. things, you know, when you yeah. talk about the Avs and their failure to develop a quality goaltender in 25 years, you know, right. Well, yes. Since moving to Colorado, they have not successfully developed, uh, a high end starting goaltender. Well, at the while same true, time, like yeah. look at the right. draft picks that they've invested on those guys. Right, exactly. I mean, we just ran through it not in segment one, you know, it's higher than a third. They haven't they haven't spent, I guess, well, Picard. Um like but you know they they've used one first round pick, their first ever first round pick. Uh, as as an organization, as as the Avalanche, they used on Mark Denis, who became a solid starting goaltender. That's the only time they've ever used a first on on a goaltender. Um, right. You know, and they've had some they've had some misses in the second round. You know, yeah. Philippe Sauvé. 
you know, um, Trevor, Trevor can was on that list. Like some guys that just have not worked out, but you know, Peter Budai was a second round pick. Yeah. Calvin Pickard is a second round pick and Pickard is starting to show a little bit that, Hey, maybe we know he's not a starter in the NHL, but that guy might be just like Budai. He might be a long-term backup. You know, um, Peter Delmas, another guy that they used um, a a second round pick on a goaltender. But outside of that, like that's about it for highly drafted goalies in Avalanche history. Those guys that I just named, Mark Denis, uh, Phil Solvay, Delmas, Can, Budai, and Pickard. Right. And of those guys, like... Mark Denis became a starter, and uh, Budai and and Pickard are backups. So it's not like they've been huge failures at developing goaltenders when they've taken them with high picks. They just haven't chosen to take them with high draft picks. And I think this is the situation. This if if they end up with the thirteenth or fourteenth pick, they should take Spencer Knight. In my opinion, don't don't mess around. At that point, if they end up with, say, picks three and four, uh, picks three or four, and and then they're picking again at like 13 or 14, all that stuff I said about Bowen Byram in the last segment, throw it out. Draft the top forward on your board, take Spencer Knight at your own pick, and call it a day. Interesting. Go back to the defensive yeah. pool in a different year, but on this one, you have a top five pick, you take the best player that you have on your board, in that case, and then you take Spencer Knight with the other with your first rounder, and you move on. You know, are there a so lot of saying... first round busts at, at goaltender? Absolutely, but go through right. the NHL right now. You go go through the the top goalies in the NHL today. You know, Carey yeah. Price was a first round pick. Andre Vasilevsky yeah. was a first round pick. Right. You know, even here in Colorado, Simeon Varlamov's the first round pick. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and especially when you have two first-rounders, you're kind of playing with house money. Why not use that second one on a goaltender? And, hey, hope it hope you hit hit big and it all works out. Uh, and that could be a huge, you know, franchise-altering type selection. Absolutely. And the if thing is, does. like, it would it would lock you down. Oh yeah. Like right. That's all, if if Spencer Knight hits then all you have to do, you know, maybe you maybe you ride out Philip Grubauer for the next few years, you know, whatever, until until Knight's sure. ready. Say 5 years sure. until he's ready. But then when he is, you're done. Yeah. Like look at Anaheim. They literally do not have to worry about messing around with their starting goaltender position for a decade. Yeah, that's nice. Because they have John Gibson. And, I mean, maybe not even, if we're following the John Gibson model here, maybe not even five years until uh, Spencer Knight's ready to go. John Gibson was drafted in 2011, and his first real season in the NHL was 2014. Well, and it'd kind of be nice if Knight hit, then he's, uh, you know, he could follow Gibson as the next great, American goalie and, uh, you know, be for the playing for the national team and the big international senior international tournaments, which might be fun. And we could even see him at WJCs and yeah. that'd be a fun little caveat. 
absolutely. Now you said thirteen, fourteen. You were take them, and is that kind of a qualifier you're making, as if to say, well, by that point, we assume the second tier forwards won't be there anymore. Right. Like at that point, you're assuming that that big list of forwards that Bud Colson, Turcott, Krebs, Doc, Cousins, Boldy, and yes. Zegras are all gone. They're gone. And I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer taking Knight over that third-tier, you know, third-tier prospects with a lot of the second-tier defensemen. Uh, that that's a no-brainer. I mean, definitely. You know, because we can get we can get fillers uh, to add depth to to the blue line in the system in in rounds two and three. I mean, no problem. There's no need to spend a top 15 pick on that. At that point, yeah, go YOLO mode. Uh, and let's let's go Spencer Knight. Let's go all in. Let's make this happen. And, you know, everything I read about him is very intriguing. He seems like uh, close to a consensus top 20 prospect, which is pretty darn rare for a goalkeeper. Uh, you know, and the fact that he just, he, he's got the size. He looks natural. Uh, he, when you read stuff like he makes tough saves look routine, uh, yeah, sign me up. I'm all for that. Yeah, I, I mean the 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 combination of Knight's size, athleticism, and uh, general mental makeup is why he is where he is. It's it's why they are right. Why he is like you mentioned, he's a pretty pretty much a consensus top 20 prospect from most places that's really hard to do as a goaltender these days because it just does not get that kind of goalies don't get that kind of love right hypothetically speaking where would he be on your board um right in that range um right in the 12 to 16 range Mm-hmm. Uh, right around Ryan Suzuki and um, Moritz Sider. Right, 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 right. Um, Cam York and uh, Soderstrom, yeah. all those kinds of guys. So right, right, right there in that in that group of guys. Sounds good. Okay. Anything you want to add on this uh, Spencer Knight or the greater discussion we've had on this podcast? Um, I just think it makes sense. It's the time, you know, you have to pick your spots when you're taking a goalie in the first round. We've seen teams like Washington and Tampa Bay have done it when they're relatively complete teams, their systems are stacked and they just keep taking goaltenders. They take high end goaltenders and just keep replenishing their own success. Right. You know, Washington has been a great example of this. They took, you know, obviously they had Barley as, as a, Uh, a first rounder, but they also had uh, Michael Neuverth as a second rounder. Uh, I believe Braden Holtby was a fourth rounder. So they got, obviously that's a, that's a phenomenal pick. Right. Huge hit. Yeah. Um, well, Gruby too. Well, right. Grubauer was a fourth rounder yeah. uh, that they've, that they've done a good job with. So they just kind of continue to, you know, they just, they, they just keep, doing the same thing with the goalies. And then in 2015, they took uh, Ilya Samsonov, who's been destroying the KHL for a couple of years and uh, decided to come over this year. He's been in the AHL uh, and he's been, he's been okay. It's 
classic, you know, young 20 something, uh, uh-huh. adjusting to North America season for him. <laughs> so, you know, early, early returns, still too early to tell. We'll see how it goes with him, but like, they just keep doing it. And, you know, obviously yeah. that's different. It's different when you're using the 22nd overall pick like they did on Samsonov. Right. You know, yeah, we're and, advocating a slightly more risky. Uh, right. Approach. You know, they used the 23rd pick on Varlamov, you know, the, the, the 34th pick on Neuver. So you're, you're talking like, yeah, there's, there's a certain level of risk involved when you're like, oh, well, this, this could be the last time we have two picks in the top 10 or in the top 15 you know, in a, in a long time, they had it in 2011 and they got Landis Cog and Siemens. Right. You know, they, they blew that opportunity and they've been paying for it ever since because Siemens yeah. didn't pan out. So yeah. you have to get this right. And obviously this is the riskiest way to go about it would be taking a goaltender. But at the same time, if they get it right and he ends up being that guy, they just don't have to worry about it for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Okay. Well, Bowen Byram and Spencer Knight. There you go. Those are your two names to consider after this show. Okay, buddy. Anything yeah. you want to add? Uh, I don't think so. I think um, that'll do it for, for our draft pod this week. Uh, they did just announce... Oh yeah, ex- exactly. There you go. Uh, they did just announce that April 9th is when the draft lottery will be held. Um, a little bit earlier, they usually do it in the middle of the first round. April 9th is the day before the playoffs begin. So uh, we are less than a month away. It's the 13th right now. We are oh, just about four weeks away from knowing where the Ottawa pick will be and what uh, we can start really digging into what the Avs should or should not do on draft day. Right. Boy, big time stuff. Big time stuff. I've got real, real positive vibes about all that. So hope you guys do too. Uh, that's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev as always. What if I told you that you could order your liquor on a mobile app, have it delivered to you the same day, and save money doing it. Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area, from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy. And you know how we love the local guy. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off your $50 purchase on their website and app. Use code BSN10 to set $10 off $50 for all your parties and have it delivered to your door. Download the Total Beverage app and use code BSN10 for $10 off your delivery order. That's BSN10 on the Total Beverage app to to get $10 off your next liquor order. I am Andre Simone. He is AJ Hayley. Thank you for listening on... I had a blast and uh yeah we'll catch you we'll catch you again soon with another avalanche draft podcast